0: Hi, this is Michael Waits, and this is the Social Innovation Podcast. I'm talking to Riti Tool. Riti is in Cambodia, from Cambodia originally. You want to give just a little bit more background?
1: Hi, Michael. Uh, yeah, my name is Riti. I'm from uh, Cambodia uh, in the uh, province of uh, Kandal, I'm um, district, oh, that's where I was born, and, uh, and studied and everything there before I moved to Cambridge.
0: Richie, tell me a little bit about this. Like one of the earliest introductions you have to technology besides Linux, which you've explained to me, is Bitcoin. You want to just tell me a little bit about your background with Bitcoin and what it kind of led you to do?
1: Um, I, to me, uh, I think it was an incident uh, that, out of curiosity about computer program um, it, and Linux, it led me to this Bitcoin or the blockchain um, and I don't want to use that word very much because it's a bit of a bubble, a bit of a, a bust. For so many people, they they very not. Uh, I mean, people can say that now because back then, for me, it was uh, introduced by my mentor. He uh, he said, "Look at this program. It's uh, very strange." And to me, it was very very strange. I didn't know anything about it. I just I just want to play with it. Uh, very difficult. I didn't know how I, I, I got into it. Um, to be honest, but um, I got very, very um, interested into it, and I started to. I mean, my mentor was minding it, uh, his laptop, and I wanted to do the same. Not because I want to mine. We didn't know about the word mining. We just, we just run the node, and it, it was running. But because our laptop was running on a netbook, um, the first, the first few netbooks that come from Asus or ASUS. All oh, right: um, it's, Yeah, it's pretty pretty low uh, um, power, so it doesn't do anything much. but it, I, I got my computer burned, and um, I stopped using it, and then um, because it was my entire savings to buy the laptop, and it was burned by one one program. And, um, in, in 2011, I, I was used again to Bitcoin by a friend of mine who went to study in Sweden. And um, through through a website called We Use Coin, and this was a bit more uh, explanatory, like more more explain uh, about what is Bitcoin, what is the coin, what is the money. Uh, But I feel feel a bit worried about my other computer, (laughs) Uh, and I was very busy running small work. So, but only back in 2013, um, I start thinking about uh, because it it keeps coming back to me and and in my life philosophy uh, anything that um, come back keeps coming back to me it must be something meaningful um, so I I not into do that again but I keep asking a lot of people around I said what do you think about Bitcoin and not many people basically none respond positively but then um, we there was a one company. Um, that we proposed to do. So I started another company with my friend, uh, an open source company, but we came to a, a, a program that we built for um, mobile mobile messaging for money transfer in, in the help to, I mean, to learn to work with one biggest uh, mobile company in Cambodia. And they say no to work with us. And I got so upset, so I came back and did all my research that I can. And all the research led me back to Bitcoin. I wanted to create an internet credit where everyone can store up their money there, right. and then can send money to to any through a messaging. That was back in early 2013 or around mid 2013. And it comes, it, it let me. It, every research I did led me back to Bitcoin. And then I thought, okay, let me give back this a try. And the only thing. That uh, gave me a big, biggest boost when when uh, I heard a word that you gotta put your money where your mouth is. So I to keep my interest in, in the Bitcoin, in the blockchain, in the technology. I had to put the money there. So I decided to buy some coin and, and learn how to invest in it, learn how to trade to see what is the phenomenon behind
0: it, and that's how it happened. It Was back in 2010, and no, and no, no
1: nobody support me at
0: all. So did you make any money from it? In other words, did that help you finance any of the stuff that you're doing with Small World, or are those two things unrelated?
1: Back, back then, I mean, from the 2013, 2014, 2015, it was a stupidest, stupidest um, thing that I did. So it just kept taking my, me money. And I put it in here and there, here and there. Um, but actually, it gave me back the boost uh, when I really needed the money after around uh, mid 2010, mid-2016. Um, when I got sick and then I tried to sell a coin and then uh, the coin go up and up and up and then around 2007, 16 and 17, I got uh, the funds with that. Basically, from the 2016 and 17 uh, and early 18, uh, I used most of my coin to fund most of the things that I do.
0: Good for you. What a great outcome. So why don't you tell me a little bit about Small World as well? What's the idea around Small World and what does it do for sort of small and social style enterprises? Um, so Small
1: World started as a co-working space, but shortly after, we realized that co-working space won't work very well for us. Um, so we, we um, because co-working space idea was starting out in uh, the West and right. it worked pretty well because of the Western people. I go to pay like $5, $10 an hour or a day, they work. And Cambodians don't do that. So we really study into what Cambodians need. And the young- And the idea of studying Small World was about me because I gave up my school in the second um, And I, I felt missed out with new opportunity or new challenge. Uh, and I want to be close to young people that are more educated than me. So that was the idea of Small World, and, and so building up Small World, um, fast forward, we now come to the conclusion that uh, we want to support, uh, so there, there are three main activities. One is to support early stage company and small business by providing them a, a, an affordable office space, meaning that a low cost office space, but if they really, really need the, the office and don't have the money, we can also negotiate with them and give them some Three money, um, 50% of, uh, uh, low cost uh, discount, or even 100% discount for them to test out the idea.
0: If you give them a discount, sorry to interrupt you, but if you give them a discount, do you take equity in their companies? Is that just one way that you can sort of decide to give them it for free? Yeah?
1: No, we don't take anything. I mean, discount is a discount, it's not an investment.
0: Okay, interesting. Okay.
1: If you, if you, if you like them, if you like them, we have them more with. Financial understanding, and then maybe a little bit of money, and and, and uh, we give a, like a financials, um, financial study, financial plan, uh, basically a financial part of the business uh, support, and then a little bit of money, and more of the support and the side. Okay. and we take a little bit of equity. That is the second activity. And okay. The third is that after all of this year, we we have run up. We don't see so many significant startup company that doing anything very hard. So the the, the current activity, the third activity is is doing do the hard thing that people don't like to do. Like so what? like for example, uh, investing in in uh, building a new hardware, wanting a uh, uh, plan to. Uh, Like, it's almost impossible that we say we will build a factory for electronics in Cambodia. But because this is really hard and almost impossible, people don't do it, and we should do it.
0: I did want to ask you that. Do you think it's possible to actually build a manufacturing base in Cambodia?
1: Yes, it is very possible, whether it makes sense or not. This is another question. Right. Um, I mean, my, my team and I put two years of effort studying manufacturing in China. Uh, go there, come back, study with them, work with them. Um, we can manufacturing the the most important part of the hardware. For example, a device has a case, has a screen, and has everything else. But it won't work without a software and the motherboard. So we want to manufacturing the only important one is the the main board and the software to run on it. The the other part that can be produced outside, we should produce outside save costs,
0: Right, so motherboard manufacturing is actually non-trivial, right? It's very sophisticated manufacturing. The Taiwanese have been doing it for years, and the Ch- Chinese started doing it in conjunction with the Taiwanese a while ago as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's really complicated.
0: Yeah, what would it take to get that to be able to be done in Cambodia? And, and after, after you went to that, I want to, talk, I want to back up a little bit and talk about Kumpi itself, yeah? But I'm just curious about that manufacturing.
1: You know, it's easily said than done, but yeah. this, is, this is about knowledge transfer. And today, it's not about only knowledge transfer alone; it's about machine transfer knowledge. So, if we can, if we can have an access to machine that build this motherboard in Taiwan uh, to to sit in Cambodia in our room, we can make it. It may take about one year of try and error, but we will be able to get there. If we have that machine, that we have, uh, about knowledge, learn how to use it for transfer, and I think we can. We need to have some Taiwanese expert or like an expert that work there to guide us a bit. But after that, it's become like another simple thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why, right? There's nothing endemic or specific about Cambodia that should prevent that type of manufacturing to happen there. You're right, though. There is sort of a, an expertise transfer, a knowledge transfer, and then a. The hardware transfer, machine transfer. The machine tools that are done to build motherboards are really sophisticated, and that's going to be hard to build from scratch, right? But you can you can buy it, and you can just keep importing it. Yeah,
1: yeah, we can buy it. Um, in fact, in fact, we we planning to buy it this. Year. I mean, I mean coming year, the two thousand nineteen, uh, to buy one machine to, to assemble the board. Although the board building solution might still need have from Taiwan and China. Yeah. Um, but to assemble everything on the board, because because I mean, to be honest, we want to know what every component, basically everything that put on the board, we want to know everything there, so that we don't have a hardware loophole where hackers can go and hack through hardware. So we want to build the most secure hardware with the most secure software based on Linux.
0: This gets me back to Kumpi, right? So is Kumpi an out? Growth of one of the businesses that was in Small World, or is this something that's separate from Small World?
1: Uh, Compete is the um, the channel, a branch of Small World, which uh, outgrows from what what I just told you, um, internal venture building. Uh, we have supported and start, and we have, have supported other startups before, but outside of Small World, or basically like semi outside, the internal b- building. Uh, basically, if someone has an idea, want to start a startup. They come to Small World. They they need support. We support them. They need some money. We give some money. Uh, so that are the other outside startups, or we call it external startups that we have. And then Kumpi is one of the internal startups that we build. The, the it's internal startup here meaning that the idea it comes inside from Small World and Small World team, myself and my team. And then uh, we just build it out from there. And then now it's been up to a separate company.
0: Right. So it's a pretty ballsy goal. I mean, I hate to say it. It's just such a ballsy goal, right? In other words, you want to build your own hardware laptop, right? Designed in yep. Cambodia for the Cambodian market. You also want to build your own operating system as well that runs on a motherboard which you're going to build next year. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. We are already building this operating system in the last 10 years. Basically, this operating system live with me for the last, I don't say 10 years, let's say 2009. Because um, for me, I always want, I always told my mentor, we, we, we should build uh, Linux from scratch so that we know everything in the system. Um, it's pretty hard. It's not that easy, but having the idea, a dream to build it, make, uh, help, have, have, have to do it. Um, then, then uh, in the last two years, my team and I really put a lot of effort in making this operating system to work as we want. Although it doesn't give so much different from the rest of the other uh, desktop, Linux desktop, but it behaves a little different in terms of the software package. How? For example, a a, a normal a normal software that come out for for uh, the most of the time come with whatever they think is good and you when you install on your computer that is not real for linux it always a problem whereas you put windows on whatever windows give you you have to have it you can't take it out it's like a bloated software for you to have it and to, to make the computer slow and after one two years you want a, a new computer right so we want right. to we want to build a, a software that works for the uh, hardware and not give so much um, not give so much application uh, or software that you don't need uh, if, if you need only an office then only take an office if you only need um, um, for the web development or like uh, development program basically uh, you just need that some, some some people i mean you can take everything out and put everything out in this is the, the freedom of language and because Make the computer very very fast, even though it live on a, a not very high sophisticated hardware, but it works as fast as the high sophisticated hardware that runs bloated software. I'm not sure if it makes sense.
0: No, it makes perfect sense. So the idea is that if you run, let's just say, let's just say it explicitly, right? If you run an Intel-based laptop and you run Windows software on it every few years, You know when Microsoft comes out with a new version of Windows, and it just has way more stuff on it than maybe you need or you asked for, and frankly, you don't even want to upgrade. And one of the things that it does, and this is common across operating systems globally, regardless of device, actually, is that it encourages you, or in some cases, forces you, because they no longer support legacy hardware, to buy something new. That's on purpose. And essentially, what you're saying is you want to flip that bit. And what you want to do is you want to say, look, there's no reason why an i7 processor today that's built today that's state of the art in five years or six years should slow down to a crawl merely because the software that you're putting on it is now doing too many things that you don't need. So the idea is that you want to build a really lightweight or even a componentized software using the Linux distribution so that the hardware can last much longer as opposed to building in, you know, the likelihood that you're going to have to buy a new machine, right? Yes, yes. So, so
1: we want people to spend less on the hardware, but but, but more, more focus on, on what is happening in the software. I mean, um, the company's mission is to build a next generation of engineers. We always need new hardware. That means we are very slow in terms of the engineers part of the software and um, the world is eating up like software, although it will rely on some hardware to work, but without the software, nothing going to work. Um, therefore, uh, the, the, the part that we, we want to force, is, I mean not force, in is is the um, engineering mindset of how to make a slow computer hardware uh, fast.
0: Yeah, I mean, right, I completely understand. And how is that going? So what's the status of Kumpi as it is right now? Are you selling laptops as it stands? How do you design them? How big is the team? I'm really curious what the status of that company is.
1: Um, currently, we grow a lot of interest, people that want to work with us. We have a core team, including myself, and then we have new apprentices. We call them apprentices, not interns, because most of them look like they're going to work with us for a long time. These mm-hmm. uh, apprentices are uh, learning how to build software. Uh, from scratch, they have some background from computer science, uh, like year one, year two students. But because, um, where, whenever they come here, they learn completely new things. So it's all from scratch. Um, the, the computer at the moment, we, we did pre-sold, uh, pre-sale, um, early, uh, July. And, uh, by now, I think we cover around four, 500, uh, orders and people are, couple, keep coming back. We built 1,000 computers so far, and um, our goal is to to sell to sell out 1,000 before the end of the year. It looks like it's uh, going to be faster than we expected.
0: <laughs> Good for you. Um, what do you want? You know, we talked earlier about you know, you don't always have to be at the stage where you are today. Like you can affect change, right? And you can have a big impact on people if you show them the way that they can affect their own change. And without getting sort of really deep into a conversation, I want to have in a few minutes actually, but how do you, what do you want young Cambodian students to think when they look at Kumpi and compare it to, you know, other computer manufacturers' products? What's the vision there?
1: I want people to look up to the sky, and rather than um, walk, walk face down to the to the earth. Um, be I mean, um, maybe a bit ballsy um, or a bit arrogant to say.
0: I like it. When I said that, I meant I meant I thought it was amazing. Like it's you have to, with with no risk, there's no return, right? Full stop. There's no way to accomplish anything unless you try something that people think you're going to fail at. Yeah.
1: So so we want we want people. To really think past nationalism. Nationalism is good, but it's not. It's not. It's not very, very good so far. We have learned uh, because of nationalism we have Khmer Because of nationalism we have we lost so much, and not about losing the land for us, for me, about losing the generation of people that that can build and improve life. Um, right. So for us, we want people to think past this border. Basically, Cambodia is not border at the moment, not border with Thailand, Laos and Vietnam and the sea anymore. Cambodia border with the sky, not just only border with America or like different things everywhere on Earth, but border with the sky. If we can sing to the sky, we we're border with the sky. There's no limit to that. And, and with, with the current population growth in Cambodia, in Cambodia uh, this can happen very quickly. I mean, people who are young, very brave, they don't think very much, although they, 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 they can do so much uh, with their time if we leave them and give them the right tool. Yeah. So with hand, we want them to use it as a tool, not as a computer. Any, anything they want to do with with that tool is up to them. Either to use as an office or to, to teach them to learn how to program or to teach them how to learn game. It's up to them. But... but we, we wish, we wish they take the computer and learn, I mean, teach themselves some programming language. Because in the next five to ten years, anyone who don't speak a computer language equal to speak no language. Right. One, one, uh, like, they don't speak one language for us. I and mean, we, we believe that. So that's what we want to see.
0: Right, so there's, a, there's an old saying, and you're going to recognize it, but then I'm going to finish it with something different, right? There's an old saying, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach him to fish, he eats for life. But there's a follow-on to that that I heard recently that I liked, and that is, if you completely change the way you teach people to fish and just change the fishing industry completely, then you've had real impact. And that's what it sounds to me like you're trying to do. In other words, you're not yeah. just trying to teach people how to make software. And you're not just trying to teach right. people to, you know, to learn how to program. What you're basically trying to do is change the way they learn about these things. And by changing the entire system, giving them the power and the freedom to do things that they didn't think they could do before. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. All right. yeah. That I mean, that leads us to something that, um, uh, I mean, I always dream to see that happen. I don't dream
0: that I would do that. Um, because it's pretty hard. <laughs> it is super hard, but everything you're doing is hard. Like nothing you're doing is easy. And and I'll tell you what, Yeah. it's not worth doing if it's not a little bit difficult.
1: Right. Yeah, correct. I mean I wake up very early in the morning and the smile in my face come out of nowhere because <laughs> you know that something we do here is pretty fun. Although pretty hard. I mean people some people don't understand it and, and they they expect different and it's pretty hard. But but I mean, for for me, I I would I would want to see someone else do it, and if someone no, no else want to do it, then then people people do it. Um, such as um, an education. I mean, we dream of having a computer in every hand of the next generation. Although we don't want to completely destroy the people. I mean, disengage the young generation from nature. So we we we, we need to really how to give this tool to the next generation, yet um, give them an access or encourage them to study social science or natural science, understanding what important, not just the computer, not just the science, not just the sky, but also the nature around them, the living part, uh, the pollution, understanding. A lot, of, a lot of things have to be put in place. I mean, things considered. Um, not not just giving one computer and expect them to learn uh, how to build software and then forget about it. they have to breathe the air and the air is polluted right
0: because of the computer yeah. so you recently i want to finish with this but you recently published an article right about how to use compy as a stem knowledge development program in other words more than like you just said like more than just a computer and you actually published an article about this. you want to just talk me through quickly what that dream is for Cambodia and how Kumpi itself can help you achieve that goal? Yeah, <laughs> talking about that article, um, my
1: English is pretty poor. So I don't know oh, how stop much. It.
0: It, yeah. Stop it. I'm not going to let you get away with my English is really poor. And I'll tell you why. Because we're not speaking Khmer. You know what I mean? Like we're not speaking the Cambodian language. So it's up to me to make sure that what you're saying is easy but your English is fine.
1: Okay, yeah. Cool, well, thank you. Uh, so, I mean, I did a, I did a, um, a thought experiment about how many schools are there. I mean, first of all, uh, everyone always say, oh, there are 60% or 70, 68% of young, uh, of Cambodian population under 30 years old. And then I did some experiment about, okay, so if it's 60% under Um, under 30 years old, uh, then how many percent of the population under 25 and above 10? And it makes out around 4.5 million. And then it it basically tells me that these 4.5 million people are about to enter in the workforce soon. But in the meantime, they are in high school, uh, year one, year two, uni. Um, Some of them graduated um and some of them not enter a, a college yet. I mean um secondary school yet. But just to just look at the secondary school and in high school is it, it's around uh, two one point something one and a half million people. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of people. And I wish I wish when I was in high school I had a computer to use. Because you know what, Mark Zuckerberg is one year older than me and he used computer around eight years old, or six years old, and another guy, which I really respect him a lot more than anybody else, uh, Aaron Squad, the guy who almost packed the whole internet, um, uh, the same guy to me, one day older than me, and he used the internet, uh, he used a computer in when he was six years old. Right. And, and that gave me a thought, what if we give this computer to every hand in, in Cambodia that are between 10 to 25 years old? What would happen in the next ten years. Then I did more research about that and then it turned out that the school is around four four thousand people. I mean four thousand school. And so we thought if you just give us a uh, computer alone, it won't work because all the computer lab that has been experimented in the last ten years failed. Not only in Cambodia but elsewhere. It's because we give the same area uh, we give the same uh, software and hardware that we used ten years ago. 10 years ago right. Uh, yeah. about office work and, and, and not giving them and then showing them the future. So we thought if we give the comp- not only computer, it comes with a trained well trained facilitator that we train how to use the software and how to use this computer but not teaching them. The the, the guy that who go there with the school to the school only only show them how to learn but not teach them anything. And it, it create a network of facilitators all around the country because this is the time of the internet. With internet, anyone can share ideas, share different uh, experiments uh, throughout the country. So it become a dream after all that if we can send 10, uh, 10 to 15 computers to every secondary school and high school with one facilitator that already finished high school, um, finish a bachelor's degree in or elsewhere, go back to their hometown of uh, high school and teach there for one year. We pay them like a normal salary, but a bit low maybe uh, because they live in a village anyway. And then after one year of teaching they get an experience and then if they want to go to study abroad, we can find a partner university abroad like in Taiwan. uh, Basically uh, give a 100 Scholarship uh, uh, per year. And if you can find 10 of these, it will be 1,000. If you can find uh, 50 of these, it will be 5,000 uh, scholarships that can go everywhere. And these people have real work experience, interact with the computer, have real work experience in the community that can go, can come back from a scholarship and and improve more of where they, where they study. It, it's like a model of uh, Peace Corp America. Um, but for Cambodia. Right. Teaching, I mean, facilitating a, a technology, uh, uh, transfer and experiment in, in every high school. This is still a dream. I mean, I told some people about it and then I decided to write about it and, and, and see what I can improve with that. And a lot of people are interested, some good people want to help and, uh, government show interest. I'm not sure what's gonna show up. With with the second backup, we thought if we cannot go to every high school, we can go to every uh, every commune and put one in a cafe because that's how I learn how to use computer and internet. mean we just want to replicate what what we we learn at small world, we we learn how to teach ourselves different things just with the computer access to the internet.
0: Yeah, no, it's a great goal, and it, yeah, it's a really fabulous dream to have as well. Um, Look, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I really appreciate you sitting down and talking to me about this. I feel like a follow-up is in order, and I'm hoping that this is not going to be the last time that we talk to each other. This has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Riti.
1: Thank you, Michael.